0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Ice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop games that exist today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games out there that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on. And it can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to... Dig into the games that my guests and I enjoy playing, to talk about big industry events, and to talk to the people who create these games. Now, Melbourne has been locked down for quite a lot Uh, this year. In fact, 2021 feels a lot like 2020 in some ways. Uh, We have just passed 240 plus days of lockdown since COVID started in general, And while we were having some events earlier this year, and I had a lot of people sending me messages saying, man, I'm jealous, you're playing games. Well, that ended. And uh, we've been pretty heavily locked down since. And while we like to talk a lot about the Bolt Action community down here in the the Canberra, Sydney, Melbourne cities, because those are sort of hotbeds of, of Bolt Action Australia, they are not the only hotbeds of bolt action in Australia and it's important to remember that and though those cities are currently locked down tight other parts of Australia don't have the same COVID problems and games are progressing normally and in fact and last weekend we had a massive bolt action event just south of us in uh, our our neighboring state of Tasmania now the giraffe, has been on to talk about uh, events in the past, but he is back. Akhtar Giraffe, you know him from Facebook and all the social medias, uh, to talk about his most recent event, Sudlich. Akhtar, welcome uh, back, Sudlitch. man. Talk to us about
1: Operation Sudlich. How'd it go? Oh, it went well, mate. Yeah, it's good to be back on your show again. But um, It's good to have you, yeah, man. We had, we had a really good, good time, like, We've been very, very fortunate here in Tasmania. We haven't had a COVID case in over a year and a half or something now. Um, but that wow. has been because we just don't let anyone in the state yeah. and you're not allowed to leave. So you're <laughs> stuck on your island and you can enjoy it. Uh, and we feel for everybody over there. So that's why we try and take the photos and stuff and do the, as much cross promo of the events as we can. I know that we've just been very fortunate unlike most of Australia.
0: Well, it's also great to see games being played in general. I I know I've been talking with some folks in the UK recently, and you know they seem to be running events every weekend in different parts of the country for Bolt Action and everything else. But um, look, Tasmania is just not as big as the UK, uh, nor as some of the other places. But you guys have the same size as Ireland. That's right, but not the population. Right, Um, (laughs) it, it, it is significantly smaller, but. That's one of the great things about Australia, and I, I know I've mentioned it before in the past, but per capita, we have more war gamers than I think anywhere else on the planet. It's pretty exciting. Uh, and so, though Tasmania doesn't necessarily have the largest population in general, you can still have a pretty good-sized bolt-action event just with some local players and a couple of folks popping in from parts of Australia that aren't locked down. So Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about the event in general because numbers of players, numbers of games, um, some of the generalities. Hit us with the info, my good man.
1: All right. The general info is uh, we're playing a single-day tournament, Mm -hmm. 1,000 points. Well, tournament is a stretch. We call them events down here because we don't do top three winners. We Mm -hmm. don't do first, second, and third overall. We do best access, best allied, and best minor nation as the prizes that head out at the start. Yeah. Um, we had, uh, so we had a fairly tight schedule because we did manage to allow three Queenslanders into the state. Oh, cool. To be able to come and play. Mm-hmm. And I were very fortunate to be able to come in and leave before we locked the border back down again and stopped anyone traveling in again. Mm-hmm. um, so they were lucky in that case. We ended up with 20 players on the day. Cool. And so that was the 10 tables terrain, which people may or may not have seen being posted around on the Facebook pages. Mm-hmm.
0: And if you haven't, um, you should check those out because Tasmanian events in general always have top-tier terrain. I mean, we've seen a lot of your terrain in, in a number of the campaign books. I'm thinking of the Budapest book in particular. Quite a bit of your stuff is in there, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, in the board of Facebook, there's a fair, a fair heap in that one. Uh, that stuff's still sitting in Sydney, hopefully once those guys can get back to playing games, we might see some photos of people playing on it again. Exactly.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> we, we'd like to. One of these days soon. But you guys, again, top, top quality of terrain. If, if folks, if you're listening at home and you haven't had a chance to see the terrain for this event, you really do need to go to the Bolt Action Australia Tasmanian page or the Bolt Action um, sorry, the Bolt Action New Zealand Australia page and check it out because man, the the pictures are amazing. Were there new tables this time around, or were you using stuff you'd used before? You guys usually um, add a little something something.
1: We did have uh two well, well there was some add-ons to an existing one. In the desert, set up, mm-hmm. and there was a whole new table there with a new bit of railway line, and the uh, paint can, silos and drums.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that looked cool. With The, the big oil slick burning. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, where did the trains for that come from?
1: now oh, they're a toy kit, mate. They're a, they're a Kmart toy. For anyone here in Australia,
0: mm-hmm. there
1: is a there are one fifty scale train set kids toys and they're about five dollars each and all you have to do is butcher them up a bit and give them a coat of paint so they're not the super shiny gloss mm-hmm.
0: well having but seen how you guys do terrain i think it's a little bit more intense than chopping it up <laughs> and adding a lick of paint but yes it looked fantastic so you had 20 players in the end you had a couple people who due to you know being safe even though you don't have covid in tasmania if if you're not feeling well you you're supposed to restrain and social distance which is what they did and they didn't attend right
1: yes yeah they've had a couple of dropouts last minute which is fine like they just rang up and they said i've woken up a bit of a kid cold and don't feel like well the 300 kilometer drive up and back would be a killer most times to come up and then play three games on your feet um So, yeah, if you've got a bit of a sickness, you don't really want to be spending all day driving.
0: No, exactly right. Um, But 20 players is a a good turnout for, you know, mostly just Tasmania event, right?
1: Yeah, we uh, we would have had more if um, we had some more of the locals joining in, but we've still got a fair few that are working in uh, hospitality regions and Mm -hmm. ones that work on the boat and stuff like that that are forced into the same lockdown as Melbourne.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: if – because you work on the boat that goes to Melbourne, then Mm -hmm. you get to be either on the boat or you're locked in your house uh, sort of thing. And that's how they've been controlling things that way. So they spend two weeks on the boat and then two weeks in isolation at home. So
0: Yeah, I uh, sadly feel that. hard because
1: it's – yeah, so I've got people down here that are feeling the the pinch of it, but uh, it's uh, been – we have been super fortunate, and we're lucky that we get to roll dice. Yeah, exactly. Um, the general idea of the operation Sudlift is um, that sounds that stands for South Light. So it was the idea that Hitler was going to come down and set up a base in Tasmania, which is a hilarious joke. Yeah, right. Uh, to us all. Um, that, whether uh, I think it's been running now for. Six years, I had a guess. Mm-hmm. I'd only be guessing because uh, my brother previously ran it for two years mm-hmm. in when we were still on version one, and then I sort of took over the reins of organising the event when we lost our old gaming space. So, mm-hmm. And now we're really spoiled, if uh, people do see the photos, that uh, we do play in a uh, carpeted gymnasium. And, yes, we do have carpets on the gym's floor in Tasmania because it's... Bloody cold.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, that's because it is not warm. Uh, you know, we like to think that, you know, we wear the turtlenecks and drink the the hot coffee here in Melbourne uh, because we're on the southern tip of Australia. But you guys are a whole lot further south than we are.
1: Yeah, and we still wear T-shirt and shorts. Yeah. Um. <laughs>
0: Yes, the Bostonian me is uh, Bostonian, and me is always proud to uh, to see that when I see you guys uh, out there in in the chilly weather, uh, dressed uh, eh, perhaps a little warmer than the rest of us would, or I guess cooler.
1: But so you we had, had we had a few uh, we had a few hailstorms on the day come through, but oh, wow. um, not as good as just weekend gone. We just had snow to hundred meters, so um, <laughs> we nearly gave the guys that came from Queensland a good. good climatization of change so
0: yeah i still think back to a a, 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 one of my housemates from college who are from hawaii and though we're in new orleans and it's usually very hot there there was that couple weeks a year where it got cold and you would just watch them shrivel and you're like (laughs) yeah welcome to the rest of the country um all right well let's let's talk bolt action so we had 20 players now i do you did say that this is an event you do try to play red versus blue so you have axes versus allies where possible and yes as much though you don't as you say run the standard first second third podium you do try and run a best axes best allied best minor um what was your breakdown of armies? roughly did you have a rough equal number between the two did you have to pull italians or french one way or another to to make up numbers how did it
1: work um, out no these guys the guys are amazing down here you just go oh yeah i need someone to play um allies instead and they'll just whip out their second army or something mm-hmm. nice we had we had a dead even count though 10 Axis and 10 allied that's so that's cool so we didn't have any red on blue matchups for the day, which was, oh well, any blue on blue or red on red, red matchups on I me. Mean. Um, which is always a bit weird when you see Japan fighting Japan mm-hmm. uh, at tournaments. Um, yeah. But I understand that if you want to play the game as a, as a tournament game, it can be played like that. If you want to play it as a hobby and to roll dice, have a good time, and yeah. come along, then yeah, we do try to always do as historical matchups as possible and try to make them on a matching terrain board mm-hmm. at this for the first round, and then I sort of do a Swiss pair from there on in, so...
0: Well, I was looking at your breakdown of countries and you do have the usual smattering in an in an event that is red versus blue. You do have the usual access smattering of uh, Japanese armies and you do have the wall of German players. But you also had a Romanian player, which is cool. And then you also had a nice mix on the allied side between Australians, Britain in general, USA uh, and Soviets. So there was a nice mix there. Um, Were you happy with that breakdown?
1: Yeah, I was very happy with that. And then when we had uh, a Soviet player couldn't make the first round because he was running, he had um, had to go to a Zoom call, as work calls for nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're working with mainland companies, he had a Zoom meeting on, so um, he had to miss round one. So the poor old Norwegians got rolled out against the Romanians.
0: You know I love the Norwegians. Yeah, there you go, man.
1: Um, yes yeah, didn't didn't play well. <laughs> the, the dice abandoned me. Uh, but that's what happens when you have to fill in as the TO, which I always find difficult on the day. I'd, I'd much rather run around and take the photos that I post up um, and answer the rules queries. It just makes the day flow a lot easier if you're not having to play yourself.
0: Amen to that. As uh, someone who's run a few, uh, it does get a lot harder uh, to just logistically, especially then since, you know, everything there's a million and two things that need to be done behind the scenes and then when you actually have to play games it actually stops kind of being fun when you're the to in some cases so i that's why i try to bring a gumby but again that doesn't always work uh if you know gumby players are nice if someone can only drop in for a game or two but that that doesn't usually if people can come to play they want to come and play so that doesn't usually work out but yeah, so, how, so you said the Norwegians didn't necessarily go well this time. but no, no. It must have been nice to see Romanians across the board.
1: It was. It wasn't good. Uh, I played a Romanian army myself out of the Fortress Budapest book, mm-hmm. the late war Allied one, using the Stalin's cannon fodder rule at an event mm-hmm. that I, I wasn't the host of, and um, I proceeded to retire that army very quickly because of how broken you can make it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when you people say, "Oh, yeah," you complain about three squads and free bits in bold action, and when you work out that the Romanians, if you play the Allied one, you can end up with a hundred and forty-five free points.
0: Yeah, yeah. Per
1: three per three infantry squads. So at a twelve fifty event I was playing with fifteen hundred or something like that um, yeah. <laughs> of just infantry.
0: Like. Look, Bolt Action is one of those games. I love playing it. it. It It is such a great game. It's my favorite, I think still, my favorite of any game that I play. It can <clears throat> be broken at times. Um, and if you figure that out, as Judson used to say, I'll give you a nice slow golf clap. Congratulations, you figured out how to break a game that is not terribly difficult to break. It sometimes is just uh, a little, I don't know. Get off, I'll get off my soapbox, but I think it's a little bit more fun to make something uh, that's a little more challenging to run. Of course, I am talking to the guy who plays Norwegians, so.
1: <laughs> oh, well, it's not, it's not just that. It, the game is easy to break. Everybody knows how to yeah. break, it. break it. If you just do, okay, okay I'm just going to do this and I just want to win the game. But mm-hmm. if you get down to it, you've got to remember that you're playing with toy soldiers in a fantasy setting, mm-hmm. because none of it's actually real. Let's right. make some great terrain, paint up some miniatures, roll some dice and have some fun, and it makes some fun of it. As for that, Wild Action is a great game for those really ridiculously over-the-top Hollywood moments that you mm-hmm. get. Uh, like I've had a MMG team fire on a sniper at just long range while it was in hardcover, and he went down needing sixes to hit and manage to hit twice mm-hmm. do exceptional damage and kill him <laughs> yes
0: it, i mean bolt action is a great game for those cinematic moments as you said there's just so much fun that can happen there but it also leads to uh those moments where we just shrug and say well bolt action happens because sometimes oh. the unexpected happens or the weird and the wonderful and it's part of the magic of the game
1: um, oh, well, the uh, perfect example of that was round one with the Norwegians versus the Romanians. I uh-huh. had my artillery strike be delayed for four turns. I managed to delay it, rolling a two or mm-hmm. each time. And then when it finally came in, I dealt one pin to three of his units and my veteran squad that already had six pins on it, I dealt three pins to. Yeah. Full action happens. <laughs> You're just like, uh, oh, there goes that. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, hold on let's let's dig back. So if we we look at the armies at the event, we have a really. I mean, I did mention a, a span of nations, but you have a span of theaters as well. You're going from Stalingrad to. Burma to uh, Japanese a Japanese army that's based in China during uh, the Manchurian campaign or no sorry the Battle of Shanghai, and it's, then you also have in there Winter War Oklahoma, Soviets
1: we had, so you yeah, have we ev- Winter Soviets so you have uh, Winter
0: War the, so like
1: 1931, what nine to yeah thirty thirty nine he was he was had the uh, the Russian landship the T mm-hmm. twenty eight oh, I can't remember. D twenty eight, that's it. And yeah, he was rolling that in his in his Soviet list and and running an inexperienced as well, which is mm-hmm. hilarious and awesome. Um he played a very themed list. Yeah, that is so uh, cool. I guess he could yeah, it could have been the T thirty five,
0: but uh yeah. I always assume yeah, the, the the biggest ones are T twenty eights, but I think those are the only ones I've ever seen on the table. T thirty fives do exist and they are around, and they're both big,
1: right? Yes, they are. Um, we had one player play the Inter Allied Commandos list.
0: Yes, how cool is that to see uh, on the table?
1: having uh, using British, Polish, and um, Belgian troops in his mm-hmm. army? It was really good. So, because he did that, I classified him as a minor nation.
0: <laughs> uh, nice.
1: So, uh, because they're, they're an interesting rule set, because. Um, yeah, one of those ones where you actually have to sit down and handwrite your list. You can't rely on Easy Army. And no. today, Easy Army is a great resource, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but um, you do need to go through your books. You will need physical copies of some sort yes, or digital ones to look at some of these units because some you can't pick the correct units or the rulings are wrong in Easy Army.
0: Yeah. So with that commando list, I'm trying to think what book that's out of. That's not out of...
1: Uh, that's out of the D-Day it is. Um, okay. Canadian sectors, I think. U.S.-Canadian sectors. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, such a cool list. One that you don't see on the tabletop all too often, right?
1: No, and he did have to pay a super high officer tax, taking mm-hmm. a captain or something, and um, like he didn't have any... His only AT was a peer team and yeah, but it was a good it was a good list. Yeah. Good themed list. Uh, like the Rangers Force and there was a one Fortune Jaeger based in um Normandy.
0: hmm
1: um, and he used the new uh Hedro ambushes rules oh, for that. Cool. So yeah, he had things for deploying and then hidden in an the ambush at the start of the game, sort of threw people off. Mm-hmm. The Australians were the um, AIF, Australian Expeditionary Force. Mm -hmm. And that army was being played by Damien Taylor, who won the raffle that we did last year to raise money for Soldier On. Nice. So that's the army that was put up for raffle. And, yeah, it was good to see it all painted up and being played on the table.
0: Oh, that's such a good feeling, right, to see something that mm. you've given out, uh, especially for one that's raising money for a good cause, to see it then turned around, built, painted, run, and the next event. Oh, that's so cool. I love to see stuff like that happening.
1: And then win Best Painted Award as well, well-deservingly. Even two.
0: better, man. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, you guys do see a, a nice span of lists down there because you don't really follow the Warlord official tournament pack rule of no theater selectors. So we're, I know that the last time you guys ran an event and we had you on, we saw um, an AA battery for the Germans that had mo- multiple big guns. Um, uh,
1: yeah, the a Field Division running so oh, it was
0: Wild. So you've already mentioned a few notable lists. Were there any others that really jumped out that weren't just your standard reinforced platoon that you see all the time?
1: Um, there was a few from the, the Queensland boys, well, the that came down. Uh, shout out to Aaron Russell, Andrew Carrot mm-hmm. the Warriors, Dan, and Trevor Laws for making the trip down. They did an awesome job. But all three of their lists were on point for theme. Um uh, Andrew Carap's Germans were a great-looking force with his uh, SS. And uh, Trevor Law's Marines were based around Guadalcanal, and they were a uh, very, very good-looking list, too, and, and a good-looking army.
0: That's cool. Yeah, it's always weird uh, when you travel interstate, to- too, right? And you're not sure what the local, quote-unquote, yeah. meta has. Um, and to come down to an event like yours, which you know is typically fairly theme heavy, it—I know when I've traveled interstate for some theme heavy events, it's that that debate: uh, is, am I taking something that's actually fitting the local scene, or is this going to be, quote unquote, too hard, quote unquote, too soft? Does it? Does well, that, it? That does all it comes down to
1: you, Yeah, that all comes down to your organization. If you you got to work out what you want your event to be, if you're being a TO, right. and you need to set your guidelines and go okay this is where this is the maximum toughness of a list that i can write that i want to see at my event sort of thing so deliberately write something that you think would be that you'd just go no i don't ever want to play that and that's what you set your bar at and most people stick under that it's until you get the person that's trying to pull your leg that sees how many flamethrowers they can get in an army and you're Mm -hmm. like yeah okay yeah sure you can come down and play that but you'll never play anyone again or they'll walk off on you on turn two, which is not what you want
0: no, to exactly. have
1: happen when people travel so far um, to come and roll dice. So whereas okay. it'd be all right when you're just mucking around in a shed game sort of thing. It's, uh, yeah, that you've got to set your own tone and especially with, um, okay, we don't follow the warlord players, competitive players pack thing. Mm-hmm. I have seen that. Um, And I generally don't agree with the removal of the theater selectors because I think that using the theater selector, you can create your theme by using a generic list still. Um, We used to do that, but recently we just said, no, you can pick the theater selectors and you get to use your special rules from your theater selectors just for something different. But normally, if you're using a theater selector as a guide to make it into the generic list to get your theme is a great way of doing it Mm -hmm. as well. Um, but if they want to do competitive play, well, then, of course, you just go double generic platoons and mm-hmm. you, you just take the spams of what everybody knows that you can take. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is a whereas, little... Um, I think we saw, like, that, that. everybody jokes about the poor old MMG team in the game that it's it needs a boost. But I think there was only about three lists that didn't have an MMG team
0: oh, wow, that is something you don't see every day. And it's,
1: and it's just because the people are just like, oh, I've got 50 points, have have I'll throw that in, um, because it's themy. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and
1: that's cool so speaking, at 1,000 points. Yeah. So,
0: um, so speaking
1: of theme, yeah. um, the winner for the themed best themed list, because mm-hmm. uh, I did the scoring a little differently. Like I'd made everyone set up their armies. I printed everyone's names out, and I stuck them down next to their armies. Mm-hmm. So then everyone could go around and see whose was whose, and then rate get everybody to rate it one to five during the lunch break nice. for every single list. So they went around and people went around and had a look and we ended up with um, the difference in paint score. So the best painted one by three points was the Damien Taylor's Australian AIF over Dennis Costa's German's um, Sixth Army in Stalingrad, which were beautifully done as well? Yes. And that's having, and that's having like, it's pretty much getting your score out of 100 because you've got 20 people of mm-hmm. well, 19 people voting if you don't vote for yourself. So it's out of 90. So, and the, their scores, not one painting score was below like 60 which means that everyone was being honest to one another as well Mm -hmm. and saying, yeah, everyone's paying really well. And then the theme was won by a single point.
0: Oh, wow, that is close.
1: So the – actually, I didn't even notice this, but to the top 6 they're all like uh, one-point difference. So I went from the SS German, the um, Stalingrad German, sorry, Mm -hmm. uh, Septonati's uh, Marines, then there was Les McCready's, SS, Tony Donati's um, Grenadier Force, mm-hmm. Josh Wilson's Japanese in Burma, and then Damien Taylor's Australians, who won the Best Painted, and then Paul Berwick won out by one single point with his Soviet Defence Force. Oh, that's cool. From Stalingrad, which was running the um, A-19 and the T-34 and no. all sorts of silliness.
0: I love the A19 gun. It's 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 got that dual role, so it it allows you to use it as an AT gun or as a howitzer. But it also, you know, you're paying for that because it's a minus one to hit, depending on how you're using it. So you have to be uh, careful with it. I, I think it's cool. It's it looks great on the table.
1: Yeah, and it's and uh, I don't think it did very well. There are a fair few photos of it going around by um, of Howard Yaoi, showing where his A19 was blown up. <laughs> or is T34 the great joke that his tank lasts maybe two turns before it dies because he just runs them forward and just has a great time rolling dice. Yeah. Well
0: that's I mean that's all that really matters, right? Having a good time and rolling dice. Yes. Nice. Well, what else did you see uh, on the day? Cuz I mean, it's it's one thing to look at army lists, but then to actually see things on the tabletop. What were some of the uh, the big takeaways from the event? Um, from a TO, I know you did have to play in the first round, but you do get the opportunity to walk around, uh, and you did for the other two rounds. Were there anything that you that you took away, or the players you saw players uh, having a good time with, or?
1: Well, yeah, that, I was going to say probably the, the biggest thing was just seeing everybody laugh and having a really good time, and That's awesome. being able to just stand around have a talk even if they're talking about nothing else, it's like people with a common interest in their hobby, being able to talk about something that's completely off tangent mm-hmm. to what they are doing. And you go, you'd "Be." Um, I ended up putting a countdown timer on the uh, big screen to remind everyone how much, how long they had left in their round yeah. and would be telling everyone, yeah, you've only got, you've got an hour to go guys. What turn are you up to? Oh, we're about to finish turn two. Yeah. Come on. You might need <laughs> to move that
0: a little bit faster yeah. guys. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah as far as disputes go, none. Um, there was really. a couple of oh yeah, that might not be re- entirely historically accurate, but mm-hmm. um, as far but apart from that, uh, it was a really good day. Everyone had a really good time playing toy soldiers.
0: <laughs> That's great. And if you're gonna have people running out the timer um, and not getting through their games, you know, having a good time is the best reason to have that happen, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's right. And if um, I do put a stipulation in my players' pack that if I find that someone is deliberately slow playing to try to get a win, um, then I'll just give you a 20 point penalty straight up. So that's yeah. a major, what, what is considered a major win in our game. Then um, that's another thing. We do a different sort of um, scoring system down here with uh, five points for a loss, 10 points for a draw. 15 for a win with five bonus objectives.
0: Now, can you run us through those five bonus objectives? Because I know we've done that in the past, but for those who didn't hear that, I think this is really cool. This reminds me a little bit about really old 40 K, um, events. They, we used to do something like that, but these plus five is really good.
1: Yeah. It's, um, what we used to do when we were doing, uh, third and fourth ed 40 K was along these lines as well. Uh, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get plus one point if you kill your opponent's highest-ranked officer. You get plus one point if you keep your highest-ranked officer alive. Plus one point if you kill your opponent's most expensive unit. Plus one point if you keep your most expensive unit alive. And you get plus one point if you get one of your units within 12 inches of the opponent's table edge at the end of the game. So that gives you a score of a possible 20
0: mm-hmm.
1: for, a, for a win. And because we're only playing three games over one day, this I've hardly ever had to go to the what we call the cost of war, which isn't just another little side project, Mm -hmm. which is at the end of the game you calculate the total amount of points that you have lost during the battle. So if a unit is damaged, then it counts as 50% of its total value. And that gives you what I use as the tiebreaker in my... Excel spreadsheet to work out who plays who. So if someone, if two people have lost a game and only scored five points, then one person has been completely tabled and another guy hasn't been, then I try not to make, I say there's another one that has been tabled as well. Then you get those guys to play off against. It gives you an idea of how the games are swung as well. So when people come in and bring in their score sheet and they've lost 760 points of their army, but they've won the game. It gives you some idea of how the rest of the battle went as well.
0: Yeah, because especially in a one... I mean, it's great that you have that, because as you know, back in the day when we used to run the... or any time you run a one-day event, it can be difficult to figure out who can play who because there's only certain... or so many combination of scores that you can then uh, run people against one another and not end up with six people on the same score. Having uh, those fo- five bonus points in addition to your your loss, your, your tie, and your win uh, totals really does allow you to differentiate things, right? So you, you get a very clear yes. idea of who's playing what, where. And yet, while you don't have a podium, figuring out who's playing who, that is really helpful for that.
1: Yeah, so at the end of round two, I had um, you end up with five people that were on equal scores, which is much easier to sort out than everyone going, oh, I've had a win and a win, and this guy's had a win and a win. So then you end up with um, a score variance. So the, the top player at the end of round two had 40 points, for instance. So he played the second best player that had 37.
0: Yeah, there you
1: go. Which makes it – because it's – Possible out of 40, one person's got two massive wins. The other, this guy's had one really good win. So that's easy. Are they both? um, Is it still a red versus blue matchup is your next question? And then you go, yes, it is. Sweet. And you punch that into then the round three game. And then you just work your way down the list of of who's going against who. And funnily enough, the only one that I had like um, three people on the same score at at the end of second round, they're all on the same side. Oh, so, <laughs> Oops. And, then, and then I've got two that are on the same side below that. So it's like, okay, you guys are planning off you guys. And mm-hmm. and the other one is because everyone, um, as I said, Tasmania is the size of an island. We've got half a million people spread over it. And everyone is traveling to this event. Like, I mean, we had people travel to Queensland. So last thing you want to do is play the guy that you play in your back shed. Exactly. Every other weekend. Was my, literally so my, my always, next question. Yep. I'm always going. Okay, these guys are in the same area. They play. They're in the same gaming group. They play together, and you sort of grouping um, players together, so then they get different matchups through the whole day. So then, yeah. um, even the guys on the plane didn't face the same opponent that had to fly home together. Yeah. So from the Queensland, say they can say, Oh yeah, I faced that guy, that guy, and that guy. So just to give it. A, them all something to talk about too so <laughs>
0: yeah the number of times i've gone to cancon which is in canberra to play in a major event uh be a bolt action warhammer or whatever else and then ended up playing someone from my own club uh is yeah many many times uh in some cases yes. for my own uh there was one uh six game bolt action event where i ended up playing two people from the podcast i was on and just going god i talk to you guys all the time there's 60 players here how am i playing anyway moving on Oh, good times. It's great that you're able to mix it up like that. I, I love it. Um, now, if you did get to the very end, uh, I guess going into the third round, you didn't uh, break your red versus blue rule depending on scores. Would you ever consider doing that if you had a complete uh, discrepancy between scores? Uh, I mean, if there was have, just a, a, a gulf between or it's it's more about the, the historical theming once, than it
1: is, right? Um, I have once separated the um, best access played access versus access and allied versus allied for the the best on the at the end of the day. But um, this was before I put in the cost of war to work out where people were how people were ranking right. or losing men. And what ended up happening was the people that were on the second tier table would get a major win and would overtake the people mm-hmm. that were playing on the top table. So you go, oh yeah, this is the top table, and then they're giving them prizes for second and third, even though they thought they're playing off for first because the person that was down in third is had a blinder of a game, and that was just a. It happened once at like, um, yeah. This wasn't my event where it happened, um, and I was like, well, we've got to try to make sure that that doesn't happen at one of my events because I couldn't imagine anything worse being told that you're on the top table to be finding out that even though you won the best hmm see who's the first you ended up second um yeah <laughs> a an awkward conversation to have <laughs> something that you sort mm-hmm. of try to avoid as a to i've uh, i've been on both
0: sides of that coin i've been on the second table and come above the people on the top and i've been on the the top table and ended up below those people so yeah, it, yeah. It, it's one of those strange mathematical phenomenons it, it comes down to the score at the end right but yeah it does you do do that double take oh wait what
1: what happened? Yeah. Yeah, especially but it's especially easy to happen over a three game set. Yeah. Like um three games in one day is a big day for anyone. But mm-hmm. you try not to um well you couldn't get fourth game in, we got too far to travel. But uh Yeah, exactly. And it's just, which is the other reason why uh has still been a single day event even from its inception was the fact that you're trying to get people to come up from the other end of the state. Um we run it on a Saturday so you can travel up the Friday night, try to get some sleep up here, play games and travel home uh, sort of thing. Or fly in and have a good night's sleep, play games and then fly out. Yeah, so the with the, we've been, as I keep saying, we've been very fortunate in Tasmania mm-hmm. and that we have been able to keep playing games and seeing people face to face and travelling further than five or ten kilometres or eight miles or whatever you, you got as your limit around the world. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to say thanks to every podcast out there, especially you, Brad, as well, oh. that have continued to make content because everyone that isn't in your boat, that isn't stuck inside all the time, that isn't trying to do work from home could have just easily stopped creating content. And I think that's a great, um, uh, icon of how our hobby still keeps ticking over even though we we are all semi-introvertial people and we're all playing with toy soldiers and we're having a great Mm -hmm. time with it but and we love getting out and seeing one another to do that Uh, but even when we couldn't everybody has still managed to keep touch and everyone has looked out for one another so the community needs to give itself a big pat on the back for that
0: amen to that man and thank you it is a little awkward to do a a podcast about tabletop games, and uh, to not have played a game in months is a little strange. You know, I try to keep things fresh by you know listening to other podcasts, by reading games, and you know interviewing authors, and keeping up uh, you know with what I can. But it's 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 a little difficult with Bolt Action. I know a lot of people have been asking me to do more Bolt Action content. Recently, And I would really like to. It's one of those things that Bolt Action is a game that I love to play. And when I play it, it fuels my passion. And I just want to talk and play more. And the more I do, the more I play and the more I talk about it. However, since I'm not playing, I'm not talking about it as much. Not that I don't love the game. I love it. And earlier this year when we had some events in Melbourne and I was getting out and playing games at Open Game Days at the Hampton Club. Man, we, we had a lot of great content. And I'm looking forward to that again soon. Uh, it's just you know we, we we're getting it we're getting it where we can at the moment, and uh, I'm looking forward to playing a lot more bolt action soon. Um, I know a lot of the I've been talking to some of the other usual uh, bolt action suspects. podcast guys. Sorry, what? Suspects. Yeah, the usual suspects. Exactly. Uh, and I know a lot of people are feeling the same way. So I'm hoping that we're going to see a massive spring back of uh, some of the shows when things start to open up again. Plus, you know, we're getting some new shows. You know, there's some awesome new, quote-unquote, new. And I know that Sounds of Battle isn't new at all, but I don't think people are talking about their show as much as they should. Uh, I think those dudes are oh, awesome, yeah.
1: right? So good. The Welsh, Welsh Gamers are doing a brilliant job over there. Killing uh, it. They're, they're doing excellent content. and. Mm-hmm. It- uh, snafu kept rolling on, haven't um, stopped, man. They just noughts,
0: keep going. Yep, the juggers the are jug back. They keep going um, on. They, yeah.
1: Oh well, not they're not just back. They just kept, even yep. though they literally were doing <laughs> exactly. a podcast about something they couldn't talk about. They kept rolling. They on. did, right? I mean, it's yeah. not safe for work content, which is New, fine right. if it's your thing. It's it's yeah. great. Um, but you're right, right? They just didn't stop. Just but, the general yeah. general people that have just continued to make content, mm-hmm. even though it seemed that well, what's the point when you're not playing games? Yeah, um, And look, man, I get it. Big it, thank it, you it, to everybody for doing it.
0: Y- no, exactly right. And I also, I, you know, please don't hear me throwing shade at people who have needed to take a break or who are just not doing things at the moment. Podcasting isn't always easy. You know, we no, love to no, talk, no. right?
1: I don't, and as I said, I don't, um, I don't belittle anyone no, that exactly. has stopped during this period. Yeah. I mean, it would, I would not have would not have faulted any of those that we just named not for right. just stopping mm-hmm. for the last 18 months and everyone going, yeah, it's too hard. Because quite frankly, when I had my first event cancelled, when we had our little mini lockdown mm-hmm. in 2020, yeah, yeah, yeah the been. 2020 March one got cancelled because we ended up in a four-week lockdown here and I just went, oh, what's the point when you just spent – like a month and a half organizing to yep. get stuff sent to you and paying for your moat tax and then having mm-hmm. to refund everybody. And it's just a nightmare to go through. But I just thought to anyone out there that has continued going, thank you.
0: Cheers, man. It's a weird old time to be a podcaster. Oh,
1: there goes the wonderful tangent.
0: Yes, there's the rabbit hole. Uh, all right,
1: so we'll come back out of that one now. Yeah,
0: please, back out, <laughs> back out of that one.
1: Uh, yeah. Operation Footlicht. Um we were very, very fortunate. We had some great sponsorship yes. um, come through, mm-hmm. and we always do. We have such great local businesses, and I mean Australian businesses that help look after us mm-hmm. and international. So I'm going to give a quick shout-out to all of those, please. which include Give it, Knights of Dice, who is a champion for doing his 24-hour paint challenge. I hung around with this for 10 and a half hours, but I had to go to work. So we did try. But congratulations on his 24-hour paint challenge recently. And you as well were on there, Brad. It was great. It was great cause for raising money.
0: It was and awesome. Once again,
1: he was a um, major sponsor. War and Peace Games and, and the crew up there in Sydney are always been major supporters of our hobby. They're legends, They're always Legends. Always looking
0: at them.
1: Yeah. Um, dice of War over in, even though Adam's moved over to WA, um, he's always, if you're after a set of custom dice that actually roll true and not be mm-hmm. dodgy, they are fabulous dice set. Um, Rubicon Models, of course, um, was back in with a donation of um, a couple of their newer kits. Nice. Uh Eureka Miniatures, first time sponsor for Operation Sudlicht. Um, fabulous sculpts. Can't say enough of them. Yeah, Great man. group here, over there in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ended up with a squad of these, uh, Japanese infantry. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I nearly didn't give those away. I nearly went, oh. <laughs> They're so good, right? Put them in my heart. Nah. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, Games Atlantic came along and mm-hmm. gave us three box sets as well. Um. He was like, oh, yeah, I'd love to join in, but he only had the one World War Two mm-hmm. box release, which is the Partisans. So um, I said, just throw whatever he wanted in. So he threw in some World War One Germans and a box of Napoleonics. Funnily enough, the Napoleonics went pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we And, of course, uh, May 40 miniatures, Sander, mm-hmm. once again, is uh, always... Well, ever since he did his uh, FJ Kickstarter, Mm -hmm. I've been in touch with him, and yeah, he's just a great bloke. If you want some unique range Mm -hmm. miniatures, they scale brilliantly with the Great Escape Games range because they are the same sculptor.
0: Oh, of course.
1: So it is currently, next big project for May 40 will be the KNIL, which for most Australians is very, very close, and with a couple of, add-ons from eureka minis you can make a very good sparrow force out of that that's cool and latest newest um sponsor was lead bears tufts now if anyone knows this guy he does hand built sticky tufts and uh they are brilliant he's based over in adelaide i recommend you look him up Uh, be aware that does take a bit of time to get you the stuff, but they are awesome tufts if you're looking for something unique. That's cool. And, and you own.
0: said Lead Bear was the company.
1: Yes, Lead Bear. Brilliant. I'm gonna look them up. Yeah, Lead Bear's tufts. Yeah. And of course, our uh, primary sponsor this year was the Warriors Den with Andrew Carap, the owner actually managing to fly to Tasmania to take part in the event. Sweet. So that was brilliant to catch up with the man himself and. His support is phenomenal. Um, he will get you in the stuff. Now we do have a current problem here in Australia with mail and mailing yes. and shipping costs. Jersey mm-hmm. of everything else in the world going haywire, yep. and just just so far away from everything, even though we're closer to the country of manufacture most of the time. Um, so getting things out of the states and out of the UK at the moment is very costly. So. Give him a call. If you're happy to wait a little bit, he'll be placing an order nearly once a week of different stuff from mm-hmm. like all board games, etc. And you'll be able to get your stuff in there with a little bit cheaper postage than paying 50 us dollars posts.
0: Which hurts. It is, yeah. it is a it makes it very, uh,
1: un- mm. un- I mean, my Norwegians were from Gorgon studios and I paid just as much in postage as I did for the miniatures. Mm-hmm. And that was that
0: was before uh, twenty twenty.
1: So yeah, that was eight years ago. So yeah, and now now we're looking at uh, paying nearly twice the amount in postage mm-hmm. for metal miniatures. So yeah. and yeah, that's a rundown of all of our sponsors, and I can't thank them enough. Um, they are they make the event possible to yeah. be able to hand out what I do hand out, and no, yeah, I don't show pictures of our price afford table because. It's got a fair amount of stuff on it. Mm -hmm. People may have seen it in the live feeds, uh, but it's not just about the prizes because we do have some beautiful little trophies done up by Viv at Knights of Mm -hmm. Dice that I get to make for me. And first place usually gets a the trophy and a voucher. And then whoever comes last, whoever gets the wooden spoon, gets the first pick off the table. Yeah, there you go. So... The top three players for the best access allied minor nation all get a trophy and a voucher first. And then once everybody's had a pick off the table, then they get a pick. So it just, it's just to equalize, equal it out.
0: Yeah. It also takes some of the, I mean, not that people are playing for PlayStation, you know, uh, sheep stations is what I'm trying to say in Australia. Not that you're trying to, uh, you know, win at all costs and then get the best prize on the table, but, you know, it just takes that little extra edge off, right? That, you know, cool, you got a trophy. You get a little something-something on the side. But, you know, for someone, you know, having come last place in an event before, you know, it's nice to be able to get a nice, you know, get something to walk away with and be like, cool, you know, I had a tough day. Maybe my dice didn't work out for me. Maybe, you know, it just wasn't my day. But cool, look at what I get to take home. You know, it, 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 it's, it's all about that community and help, you know, encouraging people to come back and have a good time, right?
1: Yes, and, and that's the, the, the main aim of the the DERP um, events are is for us all to get together and celebrate the fact that we all enjoy playing toy soldiers mm-hmm. at the ages of, well, when we should know better. And our <laughs> yeah. partners look at us and go, are you buying more little bits of plastic men? And i mean, yes, I am buying more war dollies, dear. And yes, I'm spending another $130 on something that I won't get in three months. Months time, but uh, and then points out that there's boxes and boxes of unpainted plastic men. Yep, we'll get there eventually. One day, maybe. Slowly but surely, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, hold on. Let's let's. First of all, congratulations on running such an awesome event. Um, You know, uh, one of these years, uh, you know, we in Melbourne can come down again. uh, But
1: not March next year, mate. Come on, March next year. Come on! I've given you plenty of notice.
0: Uh, we'll we'll we shall see. We'll, call
1: it, we'll pencil it in then. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. All right, one we'll Saturday, flying to flying to one session because it's cheaper, and I'll pick you up. All right,
0: we'll talk. We will talk. I Notice, <laughs> I'm not saying yes. All right, we will talk. But you did mention War Games Atlantic. Now I know yes. that you are uh, a fan of the company. I know that you've seen a lot of their kits in person. What is how excited are you? For the announcement that they made this week of their new plastic Italian kit, how good does that look?
1: It looks, um, it looks phenomenal. And I, I actually have their brand new uh, French sitting here in front of me.
0: Hey, yep.
1: And I must say that it, they are a great sprue. So they're a, or as I said, great sprue, and they have fire. We're looking at seven bodies. Per sprue for starters. Mm-hmm. You've got heads, Adrian heads. You've got Adrian helmeted heads. You've got Senegalese heads. Um, you've got bits and bobs and backpacks everywhere on it. Then there's a separate little sprue, half sprue, with all the weapons on it to make them into World War oh, Two images cool. as well as World War One. So it's got a couple of SMGs, uh, a couple of VB launchers, and an LMG on that sprue. So that's a kit that comes with um, 32 miniatures in it for 50 Australian dollars. They're a great-looking kit, and they mm-hmm. scale perfectly with the current Warlord metals.
0: That was my next question, and how do they scale up? I'm excited yeah. that the new Italian kit comes with, I mean, the regular Italian helmets that you would associate with troopers, Um Alpine hats, pith helmets, bastina hats with feathers to make
1: um the yep,
0: thank you. Um there's different types of rifles and carbines. Um you have SMGs, you have some Breda light machine guns and two heavy machine guns in one box with thirty two yes. plastic miniatures. That is awesome,
1: right? So yeah, good. And and okay, you, your army might be if you're making it purely out of a box of these, they might look a little static because they are static, fairly static poses, but there yeah. are enough differences on each of these sprues to have different weapons options mm-hmm. to make it into a very good-looking force that you can play with. Man, as someone
0: who's built entire armies out of like two blisters of metal miniatures, I I think that there's plenty of movement here uh, as far as how these go. There's some, yeah, just the variety of heads and uh, arms and weapons and, you know, backpacks. There's just a lot going on here that you can make a really exciting looking force. Uh, plus, you know, with the the rumored new rules that are going to be popping up with the soft underbelly book coming, uh, obviously it's a very exciting time to be playing Italians.
1: Well, uh, I think that's not more than just a rumor after the most recent uh, Warlord email where yeah, they exactly. had the cutting out of it where mm-hmm. they have changed the advantage Savoy back to being an egg one um, now this is one of those things where maybe uh, we'll need to go okay we're going to do a version 2.5 or revised edition of Bold Action Second Ed because as we're getting more and more FAQs and errata's added up could we get them all rolled into one book maybe and some second edition books of some of the other nations like I know that well, they'd sell two copies at least of a pure Italian Army's yeah. um, odd book. <laughs> so there's yep. one to you, one to me. Oh, we we'll would yeah. definitely buy it. Um, <laughs> I think they'd sell a lot more than that, I know, that with I those. Know tanks. Probably a couple of yeah. hundred others in Australia that would probably race out mm-hmm. there and buy it too. Um, so, the, but there is an argument for that, even if it was only in electronic form. Yeah. Maybe that's something that Wall could look at in the future. But uh, like even if they said the revised edition of the rule book is only a electronic form then for a while until they do a version three or something like that, if they ever want yeah. to. But uh, it just seems to be that uh, adding on the add-ons that we're getting that make us all excited are in these theater books. Mm-hmm. Which aren't uh, being the used missions, in events. The, and, yeah. and then they're turning around saying that you can't use them in the events. So uh, yeah. I write, like just like bold action alliance do I write missions for my events and this year we did uh one that I've run previously and a new one which was a uh, um, between rounds two and three I deliberately went round and I placed as a to I placed the objective down there's your objective for the mm-hmm. game you have a 12 inch deployment zone and it's kill points but whoever's got that objective wins the game if you've both got units within three inches at the end of it, mm-hmm. well, then it's draw, and then you go, and you don't count back on kill points. So, mm-hmm. so it was just quick and easy, and you go around and you just go, okay, it's the bridge, it's that, it's the center of the square of the thing. There was no advantage at all to anyone as you are yep. going around to do it.
0: Yeah, d- um, just to go back to what you were saying, I think – and this is something that i mean has been echoed across the community forever but as someone who has been in the community for a while and who has talked to some people um about some things i, I don't think i don't think warlord is as uh inflexible on this as some people think they are i think they're also in uh in agreement with their publisher osprey because warlord doesn't publish its own books osprey publishes no. Their books, and so I think they're—it's part of an arrangement there, and part of um, part of a a covenant with the community where they don't want to be the company that is constantly, you know, changing their books every two years, a la some other game systems. And I understand uh, the frustration. I believe me, I do. Um, God, I just—I wish, I wish there was a version three in the pipe, and I don't think there is. Um, honestly, no,
1: I, I don't think, I don't think that they'd change it to a version three, but even a 2.5. And yeah. I know that if they made it, I know. Yes. you are going against a publisher to your game creator, to your mm-hmm. rules maker. Uh, you, there's a convoluted line there. Um, yeah. they've obviously printed X amount of second edition books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. That's what the publisher has done. The publisher's like, yeah, you're not making another one until you get rid of some of these backlog. Cause I wasn't going to sell them because they probably still have first edition books sitting around to yeah. be honest. I mean,
0: it's after a certain and point, a, they, they once write you know, it off,
1: once yeah. yeah. Once you get to know how businesses work, they go, okay, yeah, well we said we'd do this for you. We mm-hmm. made this many copies. You didn't sell that many copies. We didn't have to do a second printing and you've still got X amount of the second edition one sitting around. I can understand why the publisher yeah. would be putting pressure on them. To say, no, you can't do it until X, Y, Z happens. Um, so, which is fine. I mean, it's like the campaign books. We got very lucky with some of the writers. Oh yeah, that being so passionate, like Brian Cook, being so passionate about the Fort mm-hmm. Fortress Budapest campaign book, um, and some of the others. My mind's now just gone missing. Mark
0: Barber, uh, Gaz, like they they yeah. do such a they great so, job. So much
1: detail right? into the research um, and putting it out there and getting it together and. You can't blame the people that write a campaign book for getting it wrong because no. what they send off goes to a publisher yeah. and that has to be set at X amount of pages plus X amount of pictures that are mm. thrown in there by them, which is why we've got the lovely pictures in there from the Osprey Men in Arms book. That's of stuff. right. And they're dropping those pictures in to help sell their campaign books and Men at Arms books or whatever else, the, the new Vanguard series as well. Um, there's so many of them out there. They are great resources. Exactly. Um, but the writers don't put those pictures in. So don't get nope. angry at a writer if, if you go, oh, that doesn't make any sense because it's spread over two pages.
0: Oh, well, they didn't uh, do it. Exactly.
1: It's got, a picture dropped in. it's got a great big picture dropped in there, and it's usually not their fault. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, having so, written... We'll see, see what happens in the next next three to four years, I think we'll see a change. In the bold action structure, whether that is a community-driven like the um, .NET format, for those who are familiar with that back in uh, version one, mm-hmm. where LMG's got dropped down to five points. Um,
0: I mean, we see the continuation change. of that today. I mean, the Juggers are doing something like that. They have the jugger format, and I believe it's a similar it's a similar idea to the old .NET format format. Um,
1: uh, it's just it a little different. I really do like the idea that you get a free LMG in mm. your squad if you take it as maximum strength. Like, yeah, it's a full strength 100%. squad. Of course, it's going to have the LMG thrown in there, so you get it for free. Um, their lowering of points on tanks is another okay idea, but if you, you shouldn't just have it on German armor. Um, everybody wants to play with the tanks um, and play with the big tanks. Yep. Their effect affecting the game. is isn't as good as what it could be.
0: I just uh, I look forward to the day where I can play more bolt action, I think is where I'm going with this. So, yeah, <laughs> soon, hopefully. And then I can start thinking about, golly, I'd love to see this in the game again. I, I think uh, for me and a lot of us here in Melbourne uh, and other parts of the world too, right? It's not just us. Uh, we just want to play. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Well, now that we've mentioned COVID well, anyway, yet again. Yeah, give the invite
1: <laughs> to you in March, mate.
0: yeah exactly right well on that note uh man uh we've hit the hour mark thank you so much for coming on brother as always it's great to hear about games being played in other places i know that you've been supported by a lot of great people sending you prizes and i know there are other people helping you there man but wearing the to hat isn't easy been there done that um we'll do it again love it don't get me wrong but it, it, it does take a lot of work, man. So hats off to you for running another successful, awesome event, uh, especially in these challenging times. As you say, like, you you've run an event oh, and had it canceled because of lockdown. You know that pain, and yet you're still oh, doing it.
1: The scary it. part, I'm a little scared of once we do come out of all these lockdowns in Melbourne that all you guys are going to come over here and I'm going to have to buy another 10 tabletops.
0: Well, that's a terrible problem happened,
1: to have, I see, right? I, I could see uh, Sudlicht and maybe... Maybe not camp line, but the sort of licked one, Whereas mm-hmm. the weather's usually a little bit better, um, becoming one of the major to-attend events.
0: that I hope so. That'd be awesome.
1: In the, in the future. But uh, I'll keep running them as long as people keep attending. Let's just say so, that. I love seeing people roll dice. I love running around taking photos of my camera. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I really do enjoy seeing people's minches that they've painted brilliantly, which are better than the ones that I paint mm-hmm. on the terrain. Yeah. So, so it just makes you happy to see that sort of thing.
0: It does man, it does. Well cool man. Again, thank you for taking the time to come talk to us and we look forward to hearing about more of your events in the future man. Um guys, thank you very much for listening. I know a lot of you have been messaging asking for bolt action content. Here is some. We will have more coming soon. Uh I have a few things up the sleeve. Uh look for them soon. Uh, If you have any ideas or comments for the show, please do mention, uh, message me. Go go to Facebook, message Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. If you message the page, you're guaranteed a response by me. Hi, my name is Brad. Yo. And just keep in mind, sometimes the responses take a little while because I may be on the other side of the planet uh, than you, uh, and I do sleep occasionally. But once we start talking about my sleep habits, that's usually a sign to call it a day. Guys, when you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than anything else, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. Good night.